Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and today's guest is one who is living life unbroken. His name is Zachary Rhodes. He is an equine dentist, a farrier, a cowboy. He is a man who has overcome adversity and learned how to turn his story into his strength and to share it with others. So today, Zachary goes into his life and the things that used to hold him back and how he has broken out of those shackles that he had that kept him from performing at the level that he knew he could perform and how he is putting that into practice every day and also sharing his journey through the Unbroken brand and blog. So without further ado, we welcome our friend and our guest, Zachary Rhodes from Reno, Nevada. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're excited to to hear what you have to say and to share. And um, I read uh, a handful of your blogs yesterday, and those are pretty pretty awesome. It's cool what you're doing and what you're standing for. And um, just the fact that you're sharing it, you know, one of the the things that we really believe on RodeoKids.com is the power of sharing. Like we all go through these experiences in life so that we can share it with other people and like be vulnerable and open up and we're all human and we're all in it together. And so it's important um, for people like you, <laughs> excuse me, um, who are going through stuff and who are facing the adversity to share with those others who aren't, because not everybody is also on this earth to be sharers, but for those of us that are, um, it's our responsibility. So um, thank you for for doing that and for being here. Um, we do have a couple kids with us today, so they'll be um, tuning in and, and asking some questions as well. Awesome. So we'll get started. Um, again, welcome. And I just would like to, to have you start with um, who you are and who you were, like how your childhood and how your life has progressed to what you're doing now. Uh, okay, so I'll just start with my this this simple basic stuff. Uh, named Zach Rhodes, born and raised in Reno, Nevada. Uh, I'm 33 years old now. I uh, do equine dentistry as a career. Um, still shoe a little bit, even though I don't like to. Um, but still have some clients that won't let me fire them um do all my own horses uh I grew up around rodeo my mom she grew up in rodeo and western pleasure showed western pleasure horses and then uh, I probably got into rodeo when I was about nine or ten I think uh so got started a little later but uh pretty much fell in love with it from the get-go um we had uh growing up there what kind of led me through a lot of getting into the blog and everything um my mom had uh a lot of there there was my her and my dad divorced when i was like six months old and then she got into another marriage and um i had that stepdad for like 12 years and then that marriage ended uh due to alcoholism and then 
she got into another marriage and that marriage went for about 12 years. And I would say that marriage was probably one of the most impactful on me as far as uh, my career in rodeo and um, kind of who I am today with horses and dentistry and stuff like that. Um, that marriage ended and it, and it was really tough because uh, I actually took uh, his last name. I went ahead when I turned 18, I changed my last name to his last name and the marriage end ended due to him having an affair, which was very unfortunate. So it was super hard on me, um, especially because I had just changed my name, you know, not too many years before that happened, but I still very much relate with the Rhodes family. I still have contact with uh, his oldest daughter. She's pretty much like my blood sister. Uh, we see each other all the time. I have relationships with her kids. Um, so it's great. So there's no, no love lost there because uh, honestly um, he taught me so much about, I mean, I, I have so much to be thankful for, for what he gave me, he taught me how to shoe horses. He, he taught me how to be the roper that I am. Um, pushed me, him and my mom both pushed me into getting into equine dentistry and I've done equine dentistry now for probably going on 12 years now. And it's been the absolute, uh, coolest most fun job I've ever had and I'm absolutely passionate about it so and it's allowed me uh through dentistry it's allowed me to be able to uh rodeo and travel more and uh get to do a lot of fun things that you know a lot of people don't have have the uh, ability to do or aren't fortunate enough to be able to do so yeah, well, and and we'll keep talking about all of that stuff. But, um, you know, I think the divorce rate right now is at like 60% or something like that in America. And so a lot of the kids and families that listen to this, um, I know, struggle with things just like you're talking about. And um, I think it's cool to hear you talk about how even though that situation happened where he cheated, um, and, and that marriage came to an end that didn't take away from, he, he made a mistake, you know, but you're still able to find the lessons and the things that he taught because every single one of us through life makes mistakes. And I think, especially when we're young, I know for me, like my parents are still together, but my mom had been divorced once before. And I have four siblings that are, their dad was from uh, the previous marriage. And so we've just gone through a lot of different emotions and things. And as a kid, it can be really easy to hold on to that because it's hard to understand that as we get older, like we're all human and we all make mistakes. So just hearing that you're able to still keep that relationship with your sister pretty, I mean, maybe not your blood sister, but it sounds like mm -hmm. you consider her like that um, and that family, I think is really important and a good thing for kids to hear. So kudos to oh, you for, for sure. keeping an open mind on that. Thank you. Yeah. So what, what is it about equine dentistry that, that intrigues you? Oh, shoot. I, I guess it, when I first got involved with equine dentistry, my mom, I kind of got to give you a little bit of the backstory. My mom gave me, I, I wasn't really sure, you know, if I want, did I want to go to college, not go to college? Uh, I knew I didn't want like a nine to five desk job. And I knew I wanted something involved I with real job. Versus, Air quotes. Yeah, a real yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I knew I didn't uh, want 
you know, I didn't want to be stuck inside basically. And I wanted something that was going to allow me to uh, professional rodeo and, you know, chase my dreams of calf roping and whether it led to going to the NFR or, or just circuit rodeoing or whatever, it didn't really matter. But um, she gave me a Western horseman uh, article and it had Randy Rittinger in there. They did an article on Randy Rittinger um, who's basically become one of my best friends now. Um, and he, taught the school to uh, Texas Institute of Equine Dentistry was his school in Weatherford, Texas. And I was getting ready to move to Colorado for a girl, which advice to you kids, don't ever move for a relationship unless you're absolutely positive. Even sometimes all the feelings of love and everything are there and it can be a little bit deceiving. So it was deceiving for me and I moved, but it ended up being a huge blessing because I moved to Texas shortly after I moved to Colorado and I started dentistry school. Um, and I guess what really hooked me onto it is I got there thinking, you know, I've watched the vet do it. I watched, we had another dentist here around Reno that did it. And I thought I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to learn how to file some points off and do this and that. And maybe extract some teeth and that's it but then when I showed up to that first class it was like a major eye-opener because the things that I had been taught and told about dentistry were so far off from like what actually needed to be done to help the horse and uh, what I love about Randy is he's devoted probably 30 plus years of his life to dentistry um enhancing our instruments, uh, enhancing the work that we do. I mean, he's always, even, even to this day, when I talk to him, I'm amazed because he's always still trying to learn how to do better for the horse and the rider. And I honestly, I think I mean, when I started kind of going one class after another and then doing the work, um, I saw how impactful it was to be able to show up to people's barns and work on a horse and solve issues for them that, you know, they had been dealing with for years and years, um, horses that wouldn't turn the left barrel. And they're like, I've, I've done chiropractic. I've done acupuncture. I've done this. I've done that. I've had the vet come out like just one thing after another. And it ended up being an issue on the left side of that horse's mouth that, you know, everybody had missed. And it's, to no fault of their own. They just, they're doing the best with what they learned how to do. It's just the guy I learned from and how I learned how to do it. It's a lot more in depth and in detail. And so it's, it just became super rewarding to be able to go and, and help horses ride better and eat better. And then not only that, but hearing, you know, when your clients call you or send you a text message and, um, I mean, just two weeks ago, I had a little girl with a high school rodeo horse that kept ducking off at the second barrel and um, a veterinarian had worked on it the year before. And like I said, no fault to the veterinarian. She did the best that she could do with what she knew how to do and what she learned. Um, however, she had missed some things and left some things in there that were causing issues and, and creating some tight teeth that were loose and catching and uh, we worked on the horse and I got a text message here two days ago that she won $3,500 in Vegas and wow. qualified for a bunch of different things and so that part of it to me is what makes it so much worth it is getting it's like it's like I get to win with my clients in a way 
So yeah, well, um, and that's really cool. Like we were kind of talking about before you came in, I was just filling them in about like a little bit about the equine dentistry thing and how some states, you know, you have to have a doctor or a vet um, overseeing you in order to practice or have a license mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and how it's kind of like, you know, if you go into your local doctor, if your tooth or your mouth or something is bothering you, yeah, they can probably tell you that your tooth's infected. Uh, mm -hmm. But actually being able to correctly take care of that, um, they're going to send you to a dentist. So right. when it comes to equine dentistry, like why wouldn't we expect the same thing for our horses, especially when they can't talk and say, ow, that hurts, or I'm hurting, um, to have somebody who's educated and knowledgeable about what's going on, even when we can't communicate with them the same way is so important and critical. Oh, for sure. If I love what Randy says, Randy, uh, he used to travel around with Charmaine James and float teeth at all of her clinics and everything. Uh, and he would do these lectures for all the barrel racers and, and, and show them like a PowerPoint presentation explaining how horses teeth change over the years and how they're always, they're always erupting and pushing into the oral cavity and this and that. And he's like, he goes, I guarantee you, if you had a zipper on your horse's lip and you could unzip the lip and go in there and check for all the sharp points and, and teeth that are uh, imbalanced or uh, over hyper erupting and getting longer than others, he goes, you would be, you would have your horse at the dentist or the vet every six months to have their teeth looked at every little thing um people don't realize how much it, it affects their horse's uh overall health and performance so yeah yeah it's very important so let's go into like the next level of equine dentistry and what you're doing for equine dentistry as a whole <clears throat> so um in nevada it was used to be a felony to do it here and uh it's really extreme like <laughs> it's it's very aggressive and nevada is actually like the second most uh regulated state in the u.s as far as licensing goes hmm. um but yeah so it used to be a felony in one year in jail um and then you got like a two thousand dollar fine per offense on top of that and um i had gotten in trouble with the vet board for having some business cards here and um i was doing dentistry here at the time um and did not fully understand the laws or anything but to make a long story short it's it kind of pushed me towards the legislative path of you know trying to get things changed at the legislative level um and i joined the international association of equine dentistry as a result and uh the president, Josh Wallace, who's a really good friend of mine, that's, I also look, he's a pastor at his cowboy church in Whitesboro, and I look up to him. I love watching his sermons and everything. Um, he kind of mentored, mentored me on the legislative stuff, and he was the head of the government relations committee at the time. And since I was dealing with all the Nevada stuff, he actually, when I went to the uh, IAD convention, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, since you're probably going to get elected to the we're going to try and get you onto the board of directors. And he goes, I want you to be the government relations committee chairman. I'm just going to pass it down to you. And um, I'm actually really thankful he did that because it sent me on this. I, I feel like it's helped with public speaking and a whole bunch of other things, but um, I've got to do some pretty cool things in that role 
and uh, it's I'm still actively doing it, but it's allowed me to not just try and create change in Nevada, but we changed the law in Utah. Um, I got to fly to Montana and speak at the state legislature there on behalf of a bill for equine dentistry. Flew to Indiana several times, got to fly, uh, got to speak on behalf of the IAD there and uh, uh, share, you know, what the IAD is all about in support of that bill. Um, and now we're looking at several other states for this upcoming legislative session. Hopefully Nevada again. Uh, I've been trying in Nevada for like, I think we're going on nine years now. Wow. Um, yeah. So, which we have created some change in Nevada. It's no longer a felony. It's a misdemeanor now. Um, and you can get licensed here. But the problem is, is uh, the veterinarians won't sign an affidavit. The way they wrote it up, they won't sign the affidavit to allow me to get licensed because the way the law's written, they have to stand directly behind me and watch everything that I do. And as you know, everybody's super busy right now, and there's just no veterinarian that has the time to do that. So, yeah, I mean, where it's an underserved, I mean, every, everybody's struggling to find help, you know, and to, oh, to yeah. keep up and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's a real struggle. Um, one of the things I read your blog about, like the challenges that the emotional and the mental challenges that have come along with that. And I think it ties into what we'll talk about later, whether it applies specifically to rodeo, but um, can you share a little bit about like the, the personal feelings that go along with what you've been doing? And I mean, nine years is a long time to keep fighting for the same cause. Oh, for sure. Um, I can tell you, there's been a lot of times where I've just wanted to pack up and give up. I, I can't even count on both hands how many times um, where I've just, I mean, I've, I remember breaking down to my mom and just saying like, you know, I'm just going to sell all my dental instruments and I'm, I'm going to find a different job. Cause, um, there's times where it just literally feels like the entire world is against you. But, um, for some reason, deep down inside, I knew that there was a, a bigger purpose or, you know, um, I felt as if, maybe God was preparing me for something more or, uh, it was just all a part of my journey and making me who I am. And, um, I can remember actually after I was so excited, it's literally like a roller coaster of emotions when you're going through the legislative process, because it's so unpredictable. And a lot of the times, unfortunately, politics come into play and it's like left versus right. And they're like, well, the right sponsored this bill, the left's in control. So we're not going to go ahead and look at it because it's sponsored by somebody from the opposite party. And it goes both ways. And it's really unfortunate. That's what happened to my bill last year. Um, it was sponsored by my senator. He's a Republican. The Democrats controlled the legislature. They just flat out wouldn't look at it, which is sad because I knew a lot of the Democrats legislators i called and begged them to get the bill through and they wouldn't hmm. um but there's a, it's it's just a constant roller coaster of emotions you'll go in and i mean i get super excited i love flying to different state legislatures and uh one of my favorite things is actually seeing all the architecture of the state capitol because mm -hmm. there's a lot of history behind it some of them were built in the 1800s or early 1900s and they're absolutely immaculate and beautiful so you're like on cloud nine 
I'll listen to Aerosmith or something to get all yeah. hyped up and ready to go in there and speak. And um, <clears throat> I go and I just kind of deliver what I have to say. And, you know, I don't attack anybody. I just try to educate them. And so you're on cloud nine, they'll vote on it. Sometimes it passes right there. And then like in Nevada, we got halfway through the process and I think it was 2019. Um, we passed the, we passed out of the committee unanimously. We passed out of the Senate with only one no vote. And it was the state vet's dad that voted no on it. And he even had to explain to them why he voted no. And the entire chamber laughed at him. Mm. But, um, then it got to the other side and it got held up because of politics. And when Senator Hansen called me, I was on my way to the Capitol. I literally spent probably two and a half months every day or at least three times a week or every other day going to the Capitol, walking around the halls, visiting with legislators. Um, I mean, I just about lived off my credit card because I wasn't floating any teeth. I wasn't shooting any horses. I was like putting all my time and effort into trying to get this bill passed. And he called me after our committee hearing uh, with Assemblywoman Spiegel. And he said, uh, there's a hang up. He said, I don't know what's going on. But he said, she's refusing to uh, hear the bill and vote on it. So mm -hmm. he said it will die in committee, unfortunately. And he basically said, better luck next time. Mm -hmm. And I literally pulled my car over on the side of the road and I just pretty much started sobbing because yeah. it there was so much put into it and so much time and effort to just basically be like hit with a ton of bricks out of the blue. And not going to lie, it pretty much, I was just like, I'm done with it. You know, I didn't, I called my mom. I was like, I'm done with it. I don't want to do it anymore. This is ridiculous. And I honestly, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom because she's been a lot of, you know, what's kind of kept me going and just had to pray about it and, and uh, kind of get over that little negative hump and see the positive. And uh, one of my friends put it to me really good when I, because I had posted about it on Facebook, letting everybody know that it didn't go through. And she said, um, Rome wasn't built in a day, my friend. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. And looking back now, as many years as I put into the legislative process, I now see, you know, uh, with every failure that I had with the legislature, let me tell you what I've failed 99.9% .9 of the time when it comes to the legislature. Um, but with every failure, I've learned something and it's, um, help me grow and build into who I am now as within this uh, role of being the government relations committee chairman and um, how it's just kind of helped me overall throughout life. So, yeah, well, and not only that, but it's, it's really hard when you're the one that's like putting the footsteps in and planting the seeds and watering the seeds and making the connections and, and sharing the equine, like, most people that I talk to, like I have the performance pony company as well. And um, so we have a lot of people who are new, who are just getting started with their first pony and they're like equine dentistry, what? Like who knew that was even a thing? And I'm sure a lot of our, our legislators and, you know, one thing that we face in the agriculture community um, as a whole, not even just the equine industry is that we have a lot of people who have absolutely no ties to agriculture, making a lot of decisions for us. Mm -hmm. um, and when we narrow that down to these tiny 
individual but so important aspects of every industry like the equine dentistry um you know you you're you're fighting a a lot a big battle and um, just planting those seeds to even let them know that it's a thing while it might be one of those things that you know in the first 10 years you don't see much happen, but as you plant and have those conversations and whatnot and make people aware of it and let them sleep on it and let it fester and let it come back up over and over again, it'll be really cool to see, um, you know, my gut feeling is just in this conversation and, and what comes up is that that's that's what it takes, especially with a huge group of people um, to make change happen. And it, it doesn't happen fast. Rome wasn't built mm-hmm. overnight. Um, and so <clears throat> I think what you're doing is is creating a foundation for everything to sprout over time. So it's tough. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. For sure. I, I talked to a gentleman at the PRCA about, you know, we're obviously big into the youth and um, I have a couple of friends that are uh, highly involved in the board and stuff. You know, he even told me one day, he's like, we're slower than the United States government, like just trying to get everybody on board. And there's so many different things coming from so many different directions that, um, you know, they're faced with a big battle themselves, just trying to focus on what's important every day. So, um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that you wrote in one of your, your blog about the equine dentistry that um, I wrote down that I thought was really cool for, for our listeners to hear, it says, when I stood up to speak, my heart beat louder than the fear of failure. And that little voice deep down inside whispered these words, speak with your heart and the rest will fall into place. Like, yes. I think that's huge. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that, that I found that's been the hardest for me is like, um, staying present and just being in the moment. And, um, uh, what I found through kind of getting up to speak to these legislators or speaking in front of people is I would write down stuff and I would get so far ahead of, you know, like outcome oriented, um, that, I would totally just mumble up that like just everything would get jumbled up. I'd be like skipping lines on my paper um, and moving all around. And what I found is that if I just truly immersed myself in the moment, because a lot of the times our brains tries to just interfere with what's actually going on. Um, I actually listened to your podcast yesterday about the noise um, and and how your brain, like 93% of it is doing a bunch of this stuff in the background. And it's no different when we're trying to do stuff like this. And like, if you just kind of just sit there and soak up the moment and just let like your, you know, I've, I had done it so many times, my heart and inside, I knew exactly what to say and I didn't have to force it. I just needed it to just like, I'm passionate about dentistry. I love it. And I just needed to share that passion with the legislators. And that was it. And, you know, the rest would kind of follow. So Mm -hmm. I think with that, like, uh, you know, I've worked a lot with my public speaking as well, you know, through the podcast and everything. And like, we talked on the phone the other day, how I used to have this list of questions that I would send. And, um, you know, I was outcome oriented. I wanted, I wanted to make sure that these points got across, um, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to be in such control of it, but 
what I really wanted was for whoever our guest was, was to be able to tell their story and they would get the points across mm-hmm. that other people needed to hear. And um, as I've also grown in my faith, you know, just kind of learning to be in the moment and to trust myself that I have the skills to have a conversation, you know, I have, you have the skills to share that information. And I do think for those of you who are like younger and you're in high school and college and stuff, you do have to learn how to prepare. You do have to educate yourself and you do have to go through those steps. But um, like you're saying, Zach, once you get to that point that you're on the stage and you've done your homework and you've done the research and you, you've done all of the things that it takes to have what it takes you got to trust yourself to just lay it out there on the line and, and people, Mm -hmm. and and to be like you said in the moment, because if you're not, then you do start to go over people's head and it's like, ah, they lost. (laughs) And then you're trying to float backwards. And then it's just your whole point's gone. Even if it was the most valid point in the world, you've lost everything. So yes, for sure. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And just it's a, it's been amazing to me too when I am in the moment and when I am just having a conversation with people or, or in a, a leadership role, how the things that will come out of my mouth are sometimes totally different than what I actually planned. But because I'm in the moment, it's what needs to be said. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And mm-hmm. I think I, I'm sure all of us do it, but um when you kind of get to that point where you can just focus on the moment, it is amazing how, even if it's just like you and I having a conversation, how the conversation changes. And, um, one of my buddies, uh, his, who I calf rope with, um, he's basically, he's like, he's like, you don't go out there and you don't think about roping and think about tying. He's like, just react. Mm -hmm. And, I think the same can be said for, you know, whether you're on a date with a girl or whatever. Um, cause I've noticed it in all aspects of things. I've done it on dates with girls before. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, what am I going to say next? What am I going to do next? And where's I've my list of that, topics we can talk about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cause you know, nobody wants awkward silence or anything, but what I found is the most, the most wholesome conversations come when I'm not thinking about what's going to happen next. I'm literally just, I'm sitting there, I'm enjoying that person's company and I'm just completely immersed in the moment and I'm letting the words flow out of my mouth. Like whatever just comes first, there's no right or wrong answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's transition from that into the rodeo side of things and how, um, just, just your story with that, because that in itself is pretty powerful. Yeah, for sure. Um, so rodeo for me, um, it's the mental side of it has probably been one of my biggest struggles. Um, the talent seemed to be there. I could make one run after another in the practice pen. Um, junior rodeoing was tough because, uh, I had my stepbrother, um, super competitive, great competitor and he was good to be around because I learned from him uh with his ability to just go in and deliver every time but it was hard because it was like I'd watch him win one all-around saddle after another and then I'd watch myself come up you know on like two point shorts short or you know or I'd I'd botch my goat tie and run at the junior rodeo and and that was all I needed to do to cinch up the all-around and just Mm -hmm. could not deliver and 
Um, it kind of carried on through high school rodeo. Same thing. It was like every year I'd have a good chance to go to nationals in the team roping or the calf roping and it'd start out real good. And then pretty soon it just start tanking. Um, my senior year was probably one of the most frustrating years. I started the second half of the season in the top three of the calf roping and was like, cool, this is my year. I'm going to nationals in the calf roping. And as soon as I said that it was over, um, because I put so much pressure on myself. It was like, you try to control the situation so much that your movements don't become fluid anymore. Nothing is, you know, just kind of going with the flow and reacting. And it followed me pretty much everywhere I go. And then I'd let outside uh, what people were saying on the outside affect me as well. And I'd internalize it and being somebody who's kind of a, uh, perfectionist and very critical of themselves I grew up with critical parents and a critical grandfather so as soon as somebody say something to me I'd internalize it and my inner critic would freaking eat it up and then you know I'd go out there and do something in the calf rope and I'd be like man you look like a slob out there you did this you did that you know I'd say things to myself that I wouldn't say to anybody else and it did nothing but tear me down further and further and further and, uh, I mean, I've struggled with it clear up until probably the, honestly the last two years of rodeo and this year rodeoing was probably my, my, uh, most, uh, the most growth I've seen as far as the mental aspect of it, because last year I realized that, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't anything physical or talent wise. It was simply, all up here in my head and um that I feel like a lot of people you know they do focus on the talent part of it and they forget to work on this part of it because like you said in your podcast it's 80% mental and 20% physical and a lot of people don't realize that like you have to work on this part before you work on I mean I could be Michael Jordan playing basketball but if I don't have this part of it I'll never be like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, and there's so, so many, so many people that are so athletic and so talented and, you know, every single person has people, everybody who listens to this, you know, has people who live close to them or who they've rodeoed with through high school or amateur rodeo or college rodeo or whatever. And they're like, they should have been at the NFR. They should have been there. They should have gone and done the big thing. They should have, they like, they had everything that they needed, like, or they had all the talents in the world or they had all the money in the world or they had all the horses, like, or they had it all. And Mm -hmm. yet they still didn't make it. And usually the missing piece is the mental game, whatever that looks like for them. We actually have a lamp and it's ringing right now. Like that's kind of, Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that's all it's, it's, it is mental and there is just so much, so much to it that parents, um, you know, we talked about on the phone the other day. And one thing that I try to, to share the rodeo kids stuff is for the kids, but it's also just as much for the parents because conversations like this, you know, they're not, um, they didn't sign up to have a rodeo team, you know, they didn't sign up to Uh be rodeo coaches. And so um, I think for parents sometimes, whereas when we're in a team setting, like in our traditional sports, whether you're playing basketball, football, volleyball, track, or whatever it is, 
then you have a team, you have a coach, you have a guidance counselor, you have an athletic director, like you don't realize the people that you have that are pouring into your mental side, as well as other coaches that are supporting and other parents. And, and while rodeo does have a community, we don't have that in our day-to-day practice pens. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. A lot of us do have parents who want to see us succeed. Um, and I, I think 99.9% of parents have the best intentions, um, but they mm-hmm. only have the tools that they have. And those tools usually came from the way that they were raised. Um, and it's generational things that trickle down. And in rodeo, like I said, we don't have that outside person coming in saying, hey, you know, like they're kind of hard on you, but here's another way to look at it, you know, like our coaches do. Um, so it is really important to invest in the mental side of it on that, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a lot of it. Um, can you go into a little bit more what you mean about them being critical? Because I think um, there's a lot of different aspects of that to, to help us relate a little bit more. For sure. Um, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much uh, either your upbringing or uh, things you just do in everyday life actually affect your performance in the arena. Um, and growing up, I had you know, numerous people that, uh, were critical. I mean, my mom loved her to death and we've had a conversation about it and she's apologized for it, but it was, um, you know, like she always hounded me about my grades. Um, like keep your grades up, uh, just kind of every little thing. If I made a mistake in the arena, she's like, well, you could have done this better. You could have done that better. And, uh, when we're kids, like that's really kind of shapes us. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not old enough to kind of discern what's good and bad. And, and especially cause we love our parents and, and the people who are role models to us. So granted she, she didn't mean to hurt me in that way. Like she wasn't doing it on purpose, but later on life, it really, it really compounded and started to affect me. And, um, you know, I had my stepdad tell me, at the D bar M Western store, I was getting ready. I was so excited to calf rope my freshman year. And first thing he says, when I go buy a jerk line and neck rope is he says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm calf roping at the Douglas junior rodeo. Cause it's first time I can do it. And he goes, no, you're not. You're too small. You can't calf rope. And it hurt my feelings so bad because he wasn't the only one that ever said that there was, I mean, my stepbrother would rub it in my face. I'm going to get to calf rope my freshman year and you aren't because I'm bigger than you. And his friends would rub it in my face. And um, it was like everywhere I turned, people were saying, you're too small. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, And then, you know, I got my grandpa on top of it, who's super critical about things. And he's, he's uh, trying to tell me I need to do more of this or more of that. And it had absolutely nothing to do with rodeo. It just had to do with outside life circumstances, you know, whether it was, working or whatever he was always against me being an equine dentist and he's like well you you need to get a you need to get a secure job like being an electrician you need to be an electrician like me you know you're not gonna you're not gonna go anywhere doing dentistry that's not that's not a good career you're not gonna make any money it's you know gonna be too up and down stuff like that and um the problem is is you know we take that stuff and internalize it and then let it compound over the years. And that's all I ever did. 
Yeah. Um, and that stuff's really, really hard too. When, when you're passionate about something, it's mm -hmm. hard to, it's hard to accept it. And, you know, I did a leadership program that was like a four month long leadership program where they dove into all these, these stories we tell ourselves and the things that have come up and the things that hold us back. And, um, you know, like when we hear that stuff, it's really hard to accept that that's their perception of the situation. You know, they don't know who, who are, what we're really capable of or what's really going on in our mm -hmm. mind. And, you know, like now when I hear stories like that in my own story, you know, I, I hear like your grandpa saw, he felt like that was going to be a way <coughs> to fail and he didn't want to see you fail. He felt like you would be more secure if you did something different, um, you sure. know, your, our parents, when they're critical of us and they're constantly nagging on us or our coaches or whatever, like we feel like they're nagging. Um, they're, they're really just trying to say, if you do this, you'll do even better, mm -hmm. but they don't realize the, that there's got to be some praise too. We got to focus on what's right and the growth and stuff. And like said, you know, they have the best of intentions, but it is so hard to decipher that when we're giving it our all. And, and those are the people that, yeah, we, we want to make them of anybody in the world, the most proud, you know, we're doing everything we mm -hmm. can to impress them and to, we want them to like us and to love us and to be proud of us. And when it's constant critiquing, it just feels like we're failing and failing and failing and not good enough and not doing enough and um, not working hard enough. That's been one thing that I've struggled with um, my whole life is that and, and learning how to overcome and create a stronger relationship. But um, it, and especially when we're young and we're just trying to figure out life as it is, um, it's, that's tough. For sure. And just one more thing on that, that, you know, it doesn't always have to come out as criticalness either. Um, in, in writing my unbroken story and telling the story, you know, of just one, one or male father figure other, uh, what I realized is like with my real father stepping out and just going completely absent for however many years it was, two years, three years, whatever. Um, and then having, my second stepdad tell me, I don't care if I ever see you again, you're not my biological son or having Kenny, the one I took his last name, you know, just kind of, he promised me, I'm not going to do what the other father figures did to you. I'm not going to leave you or, or just quit, you know, be out of your life. And then all of a sudden he's out of my life. The way my brain processed it is you're not good enough. So because of the critical then the criticalness obviously added to that. But every time somebody, uh, whether it was being dumped by a girlfriend or whatever, I instantly thought my self-worth was far less and that I was not a worthy enough person to uh, deserve their love or have them in my life. And unfortunately it translated over into the rodeo arena. So, you know, I'd back in the box and it's like, Nah, I'm not worthy enough. You know, I don't, I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. I mean, I did it at Red Bluff Roundup this year when I qualified for the semifinals uh -huh. against some pretty freaking tough guys. And that whole morning I'm going, you're not worthy enough. You, you don't deserve to be here. And it's so ridiculous that you allow that stuff to come up and, you know, just antagonize you. Here we are 33 years old and it's still following me around, but it doesn't necessarily just have to always be criticalness. It can be yeah. like life circumstances like that, that add to it. 
Yeah. So there was kind of like a tipping point or a turning point at Red Bluff, it sounds like. Yeah, I feel like that was definitely, you know, kind of the, the, I finally got some monkeys off my back, so to speak. Like, um, I made a couple phone calls. I talked to my mom. I talked to my buddy DJ, who I calf rope with. And he basically, he's been a huge help with the mental aspect of it, you know, telling me like, hey, you, like, you belong there and nobody cares what you do in the arena. So stop worrying about what everybody's thinking about you all the time. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. You just go out and you react and you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and he basically told me like before that he used some choice curse words that I'm not going to use on here, (laughs) but to kind of pump me up and get me going. And, and, uh, it, it helped me basically turn off the switch inside and just like, Hey, you know what? I do deserve to be here. I didn't get here by chance. I got here because I put in the work and the effort and I'm overcoming the mental side of it. And now I'm going to go do my thing and enjoy it while I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Elaborate on the, like the, which I guess not to elaborate necessarily, but I feel like that translates just from like what we were talking about when you're in a courtroom or in a, in a setting like that, and you learned how to shut off all of the noise of the things that you should be saying and all of the stuff that you have written down and you just immerse yourself in the moment. And that's when you said the things that needed to be said that people could relate to. And when we learn how to shut that switch off, because no matter what we do in life, there's going to be people who are saying things and the things that they say are a reflection of their lives, not the reflection of ours. Um, How we internalize it is the reflection of us. Um, But Mm -hmm a lot of people are going to be saying things and not even realizing they're saying it or not even realizing how we're interpreting it while they're saying it. Again, it's all about intention and um, they don't intend to hurt or harm or, you know, there are some people who do, but I, I think most people when they're, when we're at the rodeo and we're backing in the box and you hear people talking and this and that, having conversations, um, finding a way to shut that off and, and just, be in the moment is so important and shutting off the the fear the doubt the worry like that's that's going to be there but we can learn how to deal with it we can learn how to um create and like that's what I love about the rodeo kids mental game clinic I've kind of been sharing a bunch of stuff about that today too but uh I've been fighting that kind of stuff in my performance the last few years, just Mm -hmm. the mental game and stuff. And, um, you know, you wrote in one of your blogs how you had read the books and, you know, you're doing all the things, but it's still tough sometimes. And Andy was really able to to help me understand it on a deeper level um, and Mm -hmm. create a, a routine to allow myself to be in the moment, be focused on that soul thing and to enjoy it and to Mm -hmm. just be thankful for it and be grateful for it because we're part of the 1%. Oh, for sure. Um, I would say, you know, it's funny. I always relate everything back to, um, like everything. I feel like everything happens for a reason and has a purpose and, you know, whether you figure out what that purpose is now or later on down the road, um, I feel like ultimately you're just like on this one big journey to, better yourself and learn from your circumstances and the things that happen to you. And what I've learned through doing the legislative stuff and, you know, cause 
that's obviously been a pretty big mental battle and it, and it certainly wasn't easy getting up in front of you know 20 legislators and talking to people in different states that I I've never even met them before in my entire life and on now all of a sudden I got to get in front of this microphone and and yeah. speak on a camera and speak to them um you know there's a a huge mental aspect to it but what I learned from it being able to do it and learning you know it's almost felt like I have this constant theme throughout life and and it seems like it's always been uh enjoy the process and be in the moment and what I've learned how I've related it to rodeo is you know I I wanted I wanted the buckle so bad you know or I wanted the saddle so bad so instantly I took myself out of the moment and I put so much pressure on myself to try and win that saddle or win that buckle that I became outcome oriented. My anxiety went through the roof and I start thinking, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What am I going to do if I do this? What am I going to do if I do that? And pretty soon I go from reacting to controlling and I try to control the situation. And as you know, rodeo, there are 900 million variables. I mean, mm -hmm. you got the weather, like, your the horse draw. could spook over yeah the draw uh uh the shoot man he might not pop the gate fast enough i mean there are a million things that could go wrong your horse could spook over a butterfly in the middle of the arena and just completely ruin the entire run mm -hmm. it just it happens and what i found is you know it almost seemed like with every bad run or and sometimes they weren't even bad runs. Sometimes it was like, I'd make one little mistake and I'd be like, man, that sucked. And which it happened. And I would take that and I would take it to the next rodeo. And then I'd be thinking about that rodeo all week long. And I'd go to the next rodeo the next weekend. Guess what? Wasn't thinking about my run there. I was thinking about my run from last weekend when I, misflanked my calf and then missed my hooey 10 times or whatever uh whatever the circumstance was and now i've compounded it now my problem's growing exponentially and then i'd go i'd make more mistakes at that rodeo i'd compartmentalize it and put it internally and i'd take it to the next rodeo and then pretty soon i'm not I, i'm nowhere near present I'm living in the future and the past all at the same time. So my anxiety is through the roof. I can't even think about what I'm supposed to do. You back in the box, your arms are shaking, your heart's beating a million miles an hour. And it's like, what the heck? I do this in practice every day. No problem. Why can't I do it here? And when I wrote that little uh, blog post about, you know, speaking at the legislature and speaking from my heart, it really helped me start to realize that the reason why I've struggled so much in the rodeo arena, you know, I had successes here and there um, and I'd get on little winning sprees or whatever, but you know, it didn't seem like I could make them last or, you know, I'd hit another slump or whatever and I'd be in a slump for a while. Um, but I just realized how important it was not just at the state legislature, but really in all aspects of life, how important it was to just like stop, slow down, breathe, and just truly be in the moment and just soak up everything, like the sights, the sounds, all of it, the smells, and 
because I'd go to a rodeo and I, I mean I couldn't even remember or tell you what what was going on or uh-huh. you know what music they were playing or what the announcer said none of that like had no clue because I was so far or so outcome based that it was just a blur you've taken the fun out of it oh to, the fun was completely gone it was there were same thing with calf roping like there'd been times where I was like yeah maybe I should just quit maybe yeah. I should just go to jackpot team ropings and be a team roper yeah but you know I'm only yeah (laughs) exactly so uh you know those those sorts of things really and I feel like I honestly I feel like this year has been the biggest breakthrough year for me with that and I'm excited for next year because I feel like all those years of just kind of going through these different things whether it was with my dad or stepdad or going through the legislative stuff it's, it's all built up and I it's like I learned the God or the lesson that God was trying to teach me might mm-hmm. have taken me 32 years to do it but that's okay because uh you know my mom always tells me be thankful for the journey because yeah. the journey the journey is where most of the reward and the learning and the growth comes from it's mm-hmm. not winning that all-around saddle or whatever yeah. did you happen to, to listen to, to the podcast that I just posted uh yesterday should I have gone did you listen to that uh one? I don't know if I listened to that one I know okay. I listened to the mental game one or the the sound and noise one okay but yeah the one I'll that I just that one. the one that I just did and a book that you might really enjoy too I listened to the audible um a couple years ago and I'm pretty sure it was called hope in the dark um and one of the big things that it talks about is how like when you get to the top of the mountain, like that's where we all want to be is at the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. right? We want to be, we want to be the champions. We want to be holding that buckle, carrying that saddle. We want that picture on the wall. That's, that's the ultimate goal is that we focus on, but we put so much, but, but what is at the top of a mountain? And if we think about it, it's, there's no animals up there, like just in nature, there's no animals, there's no trees, there's no, there's nothing. It's cold. It's lonely. There's a lot of thunderstorms and unexpected things that happen. Like really the top of a mountain is pretty depressing. The point of the top of the mountain and getting to the top of the mountain is that you can see where you're going to go next, but the Mm. places that you go, it's, it's on your way down that you absorb what you've learned. And it's in the valleys that's where everything grows. That's where you get nutrients. That's where you are surrounded by life and uh, energy and sunlight and encouragement and all of that. And so um, that was a, I was living in Colorado and that was kind of a, an eye opener for me. I mean, that's been two to three years ago that I read that. And it's still something that I reference often that, um, we can get so focused, like you're talking about, just on the outcome that we forget about the journey. And the journey is, there's so many wonderful things and um, the lessons that we learn. And and we, our motto at Rodeo Kids is win or learn, I never lose. Uh, mm-hmm. We're always learning something and, you know, taking like, yeah, you're, you're going to have things in every run. Even our perfect runs today are going to be sloppy runs in five years. If we continue mm-hmm. to improve, you know, and, <clears throat> and finding those, this all focusing on the things that went right and saying, okay, I could do this better, but I did this so well. And then focus on now, if I do this, 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 and this, we'll have it all together. Um, 
is, is really important. And so I, I'm loving all these shares. This is fantastic. Um, and I think uh, this is something that you wrote that I wrote down as well, uh, that just kind of ties a lot of this together, that God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes when one door gets slammed in our face, we have a tendency to believe that's it. That's the end. In reality, God is nudging us to open the next door. And with a lot of faith and a little courage, it is his hope that we take the first step into the threshold of the unknown. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah, it definitely. And I like the analogy you used with the mountains and the valleys that um, I'm definitely going to have to read that book for sure. Yes, it's great. It's um, one of my best friends. I was, I was kind of in a, a similar place and she recommended that book to me. And I was like, wow, this is this is a game changer. And um, it's just helped navigate just how I feel about things, you know, and, and mm. how I think about things and how I process, you know, life, because, um, for the kids who are listening to this, as you go through life, it's not always going to be just about making it to the high school finals or the little British finals, the WSCA finals or, or, or whatever it is. And, and it's a fantastic time of life and you need to stay in it and live in the moment and learn as much as you can and have as much fun as you can but also take the tools from these podcasts and, and the mental game type of stuff with you so that you also learn as you continue to go through life and, and then you have a job and a family and decisions and bills and all of that fun stuff that we get to deal with. <laughs> that, uh, that's part of the process too. And it, it's all, it's all worth it. And um, learning from it is all wonderful. So very sure. cool. Yeah. So um. I just, we've only got a couple minutes left, but I want you to share a little bit about um, your blog, your brand, uh, what, what you got going on there. So the blog, um, <clears throat> and I need to write a few more, but, and I'm going to add some from, cause I post some on Facebook that have not been shared on my uh, actual website, but um, it, it kind of just came to me. Uh, you know, I was dealing with some stuff with my dad three years ago and, and his mom and, um, I wrote a letter to both of them, uh, just about the things that they had done to me, uh, that basically made me who I am today. The things I had to deal with, the heartache, all that, the emotional and, and, uh, mental trauma they caused. And I got to thinking, you know, after I got a bird's eye view of it, um, I could see how, honestly, though I thought it was bad and it, it might, you know, like, like I was just messed up for life. I, I saw how it actually molded and shaped me into the man I am today and how it's pushing me to be a better man and, um, kind of break the cycle that, you know, whatever my grandma did was the cycle she was in. And then she pushed it off onto my dad. Now my dad's trying to push it off onto me. And I'm basically, I'm breaking that cycle now so I can be, uh, uh, the husband, father and leader that I want to be for, you know, future generations to come. And I decided to put it into a blog. Um, what, what made me decide to kind of start blogging, it was a solo hunt that I went on and going on that solo hunt, I was able to just kind of just be in my thoughts. There's no music, no cell phone, no nothing. And it just kind of popped just like you and I were talking the other day, it was like a God thing. Like you need to share this. And so I started sharing different blog posts and I finally shared my unbroken story, uh, 
December of 2020. And I think that's the most read blog on there. And I started getting, you know, for, for a long time, I basically thought I was alone in these journeys and, you know, as just a messed up person, nothing was ever going to fix it. And I posted that story and I still get messages about it, but the amount of messages that came in from people telling me, uh, you know, that they had gone through similar things or they were dealing with similar feelings and similar thoughts um, and how much it actually helped them. Uh, it made me realize that, you know, there was basically a purpose for my suffering. It was not, it wasn't, it wasn't for nothing. And for a long time, I felt like it was for nothing. Like it was like, you know, almost, I hate to say it, but it was almost like I was angry at God. Like, you know, why me? Why did you do this to me? And <clears throat> that's the wrong way to look at it because what I found is that, you know, it was just God basically just nudging me along. Like, Hey, you need to do this. I saw all these different things, whether it was from the rodeo arena or to me, me as a man in my relationships, my relationships with my family and friends, it was all this stuff was put together and it was all for a purpose to make me into the man that I've always wanted to be. And it's <clears throat> basically a never ending journey, but, you know, it helped me learn that uh, we're basically just on this one big endless journey in life. And like you said, there's mountains and there's valleys and we're going to keep getting, we're going to, we're going to top the summit of one mountain and we're going to drop back down into the valley and we're going to have, you know, where everything's plentiful and everything, but you have to see, you have to see past the negativity and the bad things and find the positivity. And, uh, I feel like in the valleys or when you're coming down the mountain, that's where the most growth is. And starting this brand has really helped me grow and learn how to actually love myself and appreciate myself. Cause for the longest time, I want to tell you, just like I said, I've said things to myself that I wouldn't say to a friend. Mm. And um, it's funny because, and I think it's another God thing, but like 10, 15 years ago, I was like, I want to start an apparel line or something. And so I started this blog and then I was like, okay, I can turn this into apparel too, because I, I found yeah. how many people related to it. So I started the whole, I'm actually going to order shirts this week. Um, it's been kind of a long process because I've procrastinated and you, uh -huh. know, you know how it goes. It's tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you want everything to be perfect and look good and, and, and do well. And um, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it. And a lot of people have reached out and they're like, Hey, I want shirts. I want hats. I want this. I want that. Yeah. And, and I want people seeing how my message has been able to help people positively, just like dentistry is helping horses positively. Like, uh, I want people to wear my shirts and then have the live life unbroken on the back of it. And just as a reminder to people that, you know, your circumstances and the things that you've gone through don't have to dictate your entire life. Like no. you can, you can break the mold and you can keep pushing forward. And the whole unbroken thing came from doing CrossFit. CrossFit's a very mentally tough and physically tough, uh, sport or, type of fitness and uh one thing I always try to do when I do a CrossFit workout is I try to do one aspect of the workout unbroken 
uh, mm -hmm. because it, it hurts. You get the lactic acid building up. You want to puke. You just basically, you just want to die and be done with it. Yeah. But if you can figure out how to break that kind of that mental restraint and push yourself past the hurt and the pain, um, I always try to do one part of that workout unbroken where like, I just, I don't, I pick the barbell up and I don't set it done until I'm done with the reps. And the same is for life as well. Like it's going to be tough. You're going to want to quit or you're going to want to be done, but you just have to keep going. And eventually you're going to kind of get through the thorny patch and find the, the sunshine and a big, beautiful green field on the other side. And you're going to be mm -hmm. through, through it. You're going to be beat up and poked with thorns and have thorns stuck in you, but you're going to be glad you that you stories. kept on pushing. Exactly. Where you get your <clears throat> stories and build your character. For sure. Yeah. You bet. I love all that. That's, it's so powerful. And, um, you know, God does put us through some of the craziest things. And, um, I, I think it's important to, one of the thing that I just want to share before we close up, but that, um, in that book, it says that it's okay to be mad at God. Like we're in a relationship with him. We're not, it's not perfect all the time. Well, God is perfect all the time. Our relationship, we're not perfect. And, um, we get to, we get to be mad and we get to doubt. And, um, one of my least favorite things is when I, when people say, you know, like, oh, you should never doubt God. And it's like, you don't really have a true relationship with somebody unless you've doubted something here or there and then let him prove it to you that it mm. is real, you know, unless, unless we admit our doubts, because every single one of us at some point in time will come across a doubt because we're human. Um, and that's the way that we were made. And so part of doubting is being able to build our faith, you know, when we doubt and then it comes true. That's, that's where we build that faith and where we can believe him more because he did bring us through it, you know, in the times where we mm -hmm. were like, why me, poor me, I don't understand. Like, oh, I just want to throw rocks at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we get to the other side of it, when then we get to say, I get it now. I understand when I doubted you. Now I have faith in you for the next time I come through this. Um, so for those who are listening to this, who are in the place that you were or that I was, and all of us will go through some form of it at some point in time, it's okay. Just as long as you keep that mustard seed of faith and you just keep going through and saying, I don't understand. I don't like it. I don't want it this way, but I'm going to keep going. And then you're going to get to the other side. You're going to get out of that thorny patch. You're going to be like, that wasn't that bad. Like, I get it now. You know, mm -hmm. in the moment, it's tough. But um, I get it now. And uh, life is full of that. And learning to learn from every hardship instead of instead of question it um, is so powerful. And it's life-changing. And it sounds like that's exactly where you're at. And it's exactly what you're doing. So you're doing great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes. All right. Do you have anything else you would like to share before we wrap up? You know, I think that we probably just about covered it. I mean, if it, if anybody has any questions or whatever, they can uh, reach out to me personally on Instagram or Facebook, which is just my name, Zachary Rose. Well, Instagram, I think, is Zachary underscore Ray 89 or something. And then Facebook is just Zach Rhodes. But um, you know, if anybody, even if they just want to talk or whatever, mm -hmm. um, especially about the rodeo mental part of it or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, all I can say, uh, 
for for the kids listening and everything is just uh just do you like don't you know it's really easy nowadays and i i was guilty of it um facebook instagram tiktok i think they're all terrible they're good for sharing messages and getting things out but i think nowadays especially with i see it with the kids that come out here and rope with me they're allowing it to dictate who they are and they're losing sight of who they are and why they're doing this and i think it's important for kids to know that like no amount of likes no amount of comments no amount of friends no amount of followers will ever give you the validation that you need the validation that you need comes from right here and it's taken me a long time to learn that and i hope kids learn that a lot a lot sooner before i did but mm-hmm. it took me until sitting at pendleton roundup you know one of the coolest rodeos in the world and i can't even begin to explain to you the feeling of backing in that box and running down that lane and for the first time you know doing it for me not because of all the people around me not because of the people in the grandstands nothing like that so I guess my message to the kids is when you back into the box, do it for you because you like to do it. Not because you're trying to get Instagram likes, not because you're trying to prove to so-and-so that, you know, you're better than them or, or whatever you're, you are doing it for your pure own enjoyment to, you know, fill the, your cup of love from the inside that's in your heart, not, not from outside things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What about for the parents? For the parents, I would say it's no different from that for them either. Like, um, uh, don't, I see a lot of parents trying to live through their kids and they end up ruining their kids experience in rodeo. Sadly, they end up costing them friendships. They cost them titles, everything. So I would say same thing for the parents, just enjoy the moment enjoy watching your kid do something that he loves to do and he or she and and stop trying to to live through them or be like you know hey you could have done this better you could have done that better just let them make mistakes and and let them just react to the situation because that's where you're going to see the most growth and they're going to grow exponentially when you allow them to do that so to the parents i say just be in the moment and just enjoy your kid watching them watch what what they love to do because you're going to get more enjoyment out of that than you are trying to control every little thing that they're doing Mm -hmm. that's awesome and they can read your blogs on uh www.theunbroken.com and it's unbroken without an e so it's u-n-b-r-o-k-n Okay, awesome. And we will um, share that information as well in the footnotes and on our social media stuff so that they can just click and follow. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Zach. This was awesome. And um, I think there's a lot of people who are going to get a lot of good out of this and keep sharing because um, God's given you and God's given you the lessons and things to And he's put you in a position now to be able to share and to mentor and to guide. And um, just like we said, without all of the things that you've been through, you wouldn't be where you are today. And um, I think he's opening some really big doors for you. So keep walking through them. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on.
A huge thanks to our friend Zachary Rhodes for joining us on the podcast and sharing so much awesome information. And you can tell that in his 33 years, he's had to do a lot of work on his mental game. And that has been the game changer for him. You guys, they tell us over and over and over again that the game is only 20% physical and 80% mental. That's a huge portion of what successful people have to master and that they do master and that they work on day in and day out is the mental side of it. If you talk to those guys who are at the top, it's, it's like they're able to just eliminate all the noise and completely focus on the task at hand time and time and time again. If you find yourself struggling with that in any way, shape, or form, which is me, 100% I struggle with my mental game. I go to the gym. I practice a lot. I rope the bail. I do all of the stuff that you're supposed to do and I still struggle in the arena and I know it's because I'm not putting in the mental work. So we have paired up with Dr. Andy Wolf. Yes, he's a doctor. He's educated. He is a professional in this field. He is an athlete. He knows the tools and the tricks that it takes to tap into our brain and to create the habits mentally that will help us focus and be successful every time we get down in that shoe, we nod our head and we back in the box or we enter that alleyway. He can help us train our brain for success. On December 3rd, we will have our level one. We had our first level one earlier this year and it was awesome. And everybody who is in it has gained from it. We're also going to go into level two now. Just like our physical performance, guys, our mental game never gets never quits growing. We can always continue to get better and learn new tips and learn new tricks just how we can with our physical game. I mean, even the guys at the top, the guys and the gals, they're always striving for that tenth of a second, for this little bit here, that little bit there that's going to help ensure them to be successful time and time and time again. That's what you get to do with the level one, level two. Once we get through level two, we'll add on level three and level four. So sign up today at the rodeokids.com website. Just type in rodeokids.com. You can do it on your cell phone or on the internet. Go to the coaches and clinics page. Click the online clinics. These clinics are all online, so you can do it from anywhere in the world. Uh, Get on there. Sign up. Let us know that you're coming, register, and it will be awesome. You're going to love it. Like you might literally be jumping on top of a desk trying to touch the ceiling for whatever reason. It sounds crazy, but it's awesome. We use broomsticks. Like it is Halloween. It's not witchy. It's just part of a demonstration, but it's awesome. It's so cool. It's very interactive. You get to meet other kids work on things together, and do what the competition isn't doing. There's so many people who are not focusing on the mental health. If you are looking for that next competitive edge, this is it. The rodeokids.com mental game clinics on December 3rd, level 1, December 10th, level 2. Check it out, rodeokids.com with Dr. Andy Wolf.